godly man and maybe what a not a godly man looks like. And if we can open up to Second Chronicles chapter 26, and we'll look at one person here. But one of my favorite passages um, in Scripture was is in Job. And, you know, in Job chapter 1, in verse 5, this is one of my favorite verses. I'll just read it. I know you're turning to 2 Chronicles 26, and that's where we're going. But Job gives us an example of a godly man in Job 1, 5. And, okay, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. <clears throat> And, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. You don't hear a banging in there when I'm speaking? When I'm banging the... Okay. So notice Job thought that his sons have sinned. So Job's a wise old father who knows what his children are doing. And there are things that are happening in his children's lives that perhaps are leading to sin. And then it says, and cursed God. So the King James says curse God or renounce God. You know, and there, I guess the one thing that would break a godly man's heart is his children renouncing God. So the greatest testimony a, a man can have is that his children are loving God. If the greatest pain would be that your children renounce God, the greatest praise would be that your children are loving God. And Job really thought that Maybe some of his sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. But here's the key in Job 1.5. Thus did Job continually. You see, Job just didn't go out one day and had a little sacrifice, made an altar, sat down, got the coffee going, had a couple little biscuits and started praying. No, every day or on a consistent basis of some sort, somehow, Job was thinking, I got to be praying for my children. And you see, that's really important for godly men. This is a picture of a godly man. And if we can read between the lines, not add into scripture, but read between the lines, Job knew his sons sinned. And there was that temptation of leaving God or renouncing God. We can't leave God if, I believe, once you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can't leave God. But maybe Job was just thinking, you know, maybe these children of his would go weary. And Job was one of the most godliest men ever in all the history of the Bible. And his children possibly we're leaving God. I didn't say definitely, I said possibly. And it just goes to show you, sometimes the bottom line is you got to take care of your own heart first. And then as you take care of your own heart, 
then you've got to pray for others. And then in James, it tells us that we can pray for others for their sins to be forgiven. Here's Job praying for his children not to sin God. We can pray for others not to sin, it tells us in James. And men of God throughout the Bible um, have been tempted to sin and have fallen in sin. And I think it brings the Bible and God's word and the Christian life down. It brings this, the cookies up from the high shelf and brings it down to the low shelf to where we can all reach it and, and understand. And you know what? The, the Bible says Elijah was of like passions like you and I. Here's the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, supposedly, or one of the greatest prophets, and he had like passions as you and I. And I think about my passions, and I, the word passions means I, uh, things that we want to do enthusiastically, um, things that we love to do, um, you know, Elijah had those same passions. You know, we, we all are seeking those passions. Elijah saw them, and here, here's a man of God that we can look up to, and he's just like you and me. And if Elijah's like me, then I know me, and we had trouble. So it's in Second Chronicles 26, looking at Uzziah, and we'll read the story here, 1 through 6, and then looking at a couple other verses, 15 and 16. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. 16 years old was Uzziah, when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So here we have a story of a young man. He's becoming a man. And he's learning concepts of godliness. And, you know, we all have to be trained on how to have concepts of godliness. And... In this small devotional, we're looking at a man here that wanted to follow the Lord. And, you know, there, there's phrases in the Bible that talks about these kings. And, um, and, and some of these kings, you know, they, they, they say things like, you know, these kings, you know, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that kind of gives us uh, an idea of, you know, following moral law. You know, they, they follow the moral law of, of what God wants them to do and doing the right things. And, um, and Uzziah was a unique king, you know, and, and he built 
these cities. He built Eloth, in verse 2, and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifteen two years to Judah. His mother's name was Jechaliah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He, he was a moral king. And I think, you know, when we think about morality or man's law, you know, we want, we want our leadership to follow man's law. But that doesn't mean that they don't steer off in following God even deeper. And so he wanted to follow God. He wanted to follow man's law. But then corruption happened to Uzziah. If we can look at verse 15. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning man. So, you know, here we have great intelligence in their society. And so they are, they're filling themselves up with pride. And they're filling themselves up with thinking, we don't need God, we can do it ourselves. And sometimes that's the way we get. We, we get, you know what, someone's going to create something to help me figure this problem out. And we, we become, you know, we put our passions on technology. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful to have technology. We need that. But we can never forget it's the Lord that matters. The, these things that are temporal around us, they're minimal. And he made Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men, verse 15, to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with all. And so that must have been an amazing sight in Scripture in verse, 20, verse 15. For he was marvelously helped. And so he surrounded himself with men that had great intelligence. And then it says, till he was strong. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. Can you ever stop being marvelously helped if you're living in this life? Well, you know what? Uzziah had a point of decreasing. He had a point of ending his marvelously helped. And so I was watching Dunkirk the other day and they challenged Winston Churchill to go to battle. And his war cabinet wanted to sign a peace treaty with Hitler. And, um, and so they went through this whole ordeal of how Churchill sought the community. And the community told him to never give up. And that's his famous speech that he gave. Never, 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 never give up, you know. And uh, he got that from the people and as he traveled the subway. But the last words on that movie came up. Winston Churchill wrote, success is never final and failure is never fatal. So success is never final. Just because somebody has success doesn't mean they're always going to be getting more and more success. Life has a peak, and then it comes down. 
Success is never final. And then we have to realize that when we come down, maybe one of us comes down and falls in sin, failure is never fatal. Fatal. Failure is never fatal. Success is never final, and failure is never fatal. And I thought, I, it just, I, I watched that movie uh, 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, I was staying at the Doubletree Hotel down in Maryland this weekend, and um, down in Bethesda. And I was working down there, and I'm like, oh, I can't sleep, so I got up. I was thinking about the men's Bible study. And I was reviewing my notes, and I was thinking, you know, I want to talk about men. You know, men in Bible study. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I thought that would be a good topic. So what about men? And, uh, and then I watched that movie. And, you know, and Winston's such a great example of, you know, a man, you know, that experienced success but also experienced fatal. Because as soon as the war was over, it was like six months after the war, they voted him out as prime minister. You would think they would just give him the red carpet and just have the keys to the kingdom. Now they're like, now you're out, buddy. Thanks for delivering us, and you're out. Whew, that's rough. And uh, success, and then, but you know, maybe we experience success in life. I would think there are men here that have certain success in their life. I'm sure there's some private successes in your life. You have to realize that we all hit peaks and we all come down. And then we can have spiritual success. Maybe we get some really good things. I'm not saying we're coming down from spiritual success, but, you know, temptation and passions and, and uh, you know, our, our Adamic nature is constantly fighting us on that. And so failure can happen. But failure is the most important thing. Success is wonderful to learn from, but failure is even greater because failure is never fatal. With the Lord, failure is never fatal. We can have the Lord forgive us of our sins, which only God can do that. Who does that? Who forgives us of our sins? Who restores the failure of a person? Who brings back a person that has left the Lord and, and gives them grace and honor again? Only the Lord can do that. Man, we have judgments. Brother, you don't want to fall into the uh, judgment of man. Because we, we never give back. We, we may give a tiny bit of credibility back, but you'll never get back. God gives us 100% credibility back with him. And when we know that, that's wonderful. Verse 16 in Isaiah 20, uh, 2 Chronicles 26. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. See, the success came, and then he came down. For he transgressed against the Lord his God, and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, 
It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trans trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Verse 19. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And so verse 21, And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So Uzziah was probably one of the greatest, most successful kings ever. You know, you got David, you got Solomon, you got Amaziah, you got Hezekiah, you got Uzziah. And here he hit success, and then he was body slammed down. And, and see, men enjoy success. Maybe you have success in career. Maybe you have success in family. Maybe you have personal goals in life. Maybe spiritual goals. Maybe you have a desire to be involved with some spiritual plans. And um, these are all things that we work at. We plan. We develop. And we see certain success. You know, if in America, the, an average age elder adult is probably developing things with their uh, finances. Couple concepts of uh, success. Four minutes left. Three areas of success that Uzziah had was power, privileges, and prosperity. We all like power. We like to tell people what to do. The ministry can be power. You get behind a pulpit and you communicate. That could be a power thing for some. Bible tells us in James, do not seek to be many teachers. And so it's better not to be a teacher. Why? Because a judgment and a responsibility comes along with teaching. And I always say, you know, in Proverbs, with many words, there's lack, not sin. The more you talk, the more chance something wrong is going to be said. And uh, so power, government, families, spiritual pride. Solomon was one of great power and, and had great pride, and he ended up worshiping idols. We love privileges. Privileges is a simple thing about life. Perks in life is what we live for. Um, we never know when a privilege is going to come along like to get a little perk here, maybe a discount on my Wendy's or something, you know, or, you know, maybe uh, you get a bill reimbursed back because a company charged too much, you know. Oh, okay, I got that back. Right? And uh, I remember one time I was driving to New York City. I do a lot of work in New York City, working with several different churches. And I was uh, leaving Sunday night, and I didn't know this, but there are different times of the year that they closed the Holland Tunnel. 
I don't, has anybody ever knew that? I didn't know that. No. The Holland Tunnel closes at like at certain times of the year, like 12 o'clock at night. And I think there was either the mayor or the president was traveling through New York City at the time. And it was like 11 o'clock p.m. Sunday night, and I was like leaving this church, and, and I had to go down the uh, FDR on the west side, uh, on the east side, go south, cut, cut across, um, you know, uh, the, uh, they, I think they call it the Brooklyn Tunnel, you know, you come underneath there, and then, in Manhattan, and then go north on the FDR. And then when you go north, you got to turn right to get into the Holland Tunnel, and then another right, and then another right, and that takes you through the tunnel. So it's a big, like, you know, big circle or big U. And so I'm going up FDR, and I'm at this light, and I want to turn right. And I'm like two cars behind the light on the right-hand side. And there's a police officer in front of me. And he's going to get the first left. So, okay, he... So he comes and he gets his green. And the Holland Tunnel is jam-packed with literally thousands of cars. Because it's, you got the north lane coming in, you got the south lane coming in, and then you got maybe a little road coming in. And it's like eight to ten little roads going down into two to get into the Holland. And... So now I'm not even in that group yet. I'm outside the group. I'm getting ready to turn right. And I'm going to be the last car in all those cars going into downtown. 11 o'clock. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be here for an hour easily just to get into that tunnel. So I'm saying, you know, I'm just, you know, praising the Lord, listening to music and singing. And, and this cop pulls up right in front of me. And he comes right up to my front of my car. He's like right here. And he's got his lights blinking in his grill, little blinking up there. And he puts on his horn, beep, beep, beep. And he gets on his loudspeaker, and he starts talking to me. And he says, pull it over. <laughs> pull it over. Where am I going to pull it over? There's hundreds of cars in front of me. Pull it over on the sidewalk. And they had a handicap access on the sidewalk. And there was an Exxon station there. So I said, oh, okay, okay. So I pulled over and I hop up onto this. So he, he says, follow me. He pops up on the sidewalk. I get right behind him on the sidewalk. And he comes over to me. He says, I'm taking you straight to the front. <laughs> I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, we're, we're closing off the Holland. You're the last car. And we have to clear out the FDR. I'm the only car on FDR. He says, we're Did you follow me? It's okay. So he takes me off the sidewalk and on, the, on an emergency decelerating lane on the right-hand side. And there's a couple cop cars over there. He just, he says, follow me. He takes me all the way to the very front. And he says, you pop in there. I'm like, yes, sir. I was so happy. I thought I was going to get arrested. I thought, I'm checking for my license. And... Uh, why? Took me to the front. He was clearing off the FDR. He didn't want any more cars on the FDR. Okay. And um, that's the major highway that goes up down on the west side and on the east side. And uh, and there was like six cop cars. He was the first one. I went behind him, and then there was five cop cars behind me. I just had this personal cop car escort 
straight to the front of the line. And everybody says, look at that. You know, like, you know, nobody wanted to say anything because, you know, what are they going to say, you know? And uh, I just felt so privileged. So privileges, prosperity, and wealth. Uzziah lost them all. And his, his heart turned against the Lord. Listen, don't let prosperity, privileges, and power turn our hearts from the Lord. Let's pray.